Why are you here today? Why are you here today? Sometimes church can become one of those ritualistic deals where we just go through the process that we need to be somewhere or we need to do it. But really, I hope you understand that what the church is supposed to be is a meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ, lifting up one another, encouraging one another, and then joining together to worship the one and true God. It's really supposed to be an opportunity to really to get your mind right. But so many times we are creatures of habits. And as habits begin to take over, we lose the meaning of why we come. We get to go in, well, we do announcements, we do a praise, we do songs, and then we go right into a message, and then it's over and you go. I hope we never become a body that that's what all we do. It should be an opportunity for you to truly experience the presence of God on this side of heaven. And um, I think this is a group of people that loves that and likes that. And um, I hope and pray my messages give you something to lead you there. Last week we began to, past two weeks really, we've talked about uh, this passage of Scripture where Jesus told them to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And last week we focused on the mind and, and, and loving the Lord with your mind and the importance of having your mind right and stuff. And uh, brought up one of those old sayings that some of them old timers used to tell us, boy, you better get your mind right. And, and I'm here to tell you today, you better get your mind right when it comes to God uh, because it's dictating a lot of the other to you. Well, today I want to talk to you about your body because your body is just as important as the mind in your worship to God. Uh, and that's why Jesus talked about it. God talked about it in Deuteronomy 6, 5 also. But Jesus emphasizes in Matthew 22, 37. But if you take that, we need to understand some restraints we as humans put on ourselves out of fear, trembling, or not knowing any better. There, there is a part of your body that needs to be worshiping when you're here. Um, you should be an active participant in worship. And uh, if you go to First Timothy, Paul encouraged the men of the church to lift up holy hands. And he said, ladies, do not be adorned with all these other things. In other words, present yourself in a way that's good to God in, in worshiping and not a distraction. And so he's, he's laying the groundwork for some things he's going, we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians. So get your Bibles and let's turn over there and look at some of the mistakes the Corinthian church was making and how Paul addressed it 
to begin to teach us how we should involve our bodies into the act of worship. So you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to begin in verse 11. Because you need to be a participant to have true worship and to get the whole experience of what church is all about. The clock should have very little to do with it. But as preachers, we know that the mind can only accept what the seat can endure. So you're not sitting in the most comfortable chairs because they don't have any padding. They're just some good old plastic. But they weren't we afforded when we started. But we're still here today. But your body needs to be a part of your worship there. And what was going on in the Corinthian church was this idea that it's a Gnostic saying and a Gnostic belief that the spirit is one and the body is different. In other words, uh, this belief of the Gnostics was the body could do whatever it wanted because it didn't affect the spirit. We worship in spirit. And it's partially true. We do worship in spirit. But that does not excuse the body to be running wild and rampant and sinful. And that's what was happening within the Corinthian church. They elicit behavior. Let's just put it there. It was less than where they needed to be. And so Paul had heard about this, and he's writing them on behalf of that. It begins there in verse 11. He says, For no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation of, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And that fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. You say, what does that have to do with the body? Well, your foundation that you begin with is your faith in Christ. The day you receive Jesus Christ, that's the foundation. And the question is, what do you do with it the rest of the days of your life? What do you build on top of that? that salvation experience. Do you just accept that? that? If you do, that's kind of like pouring a concrete slab out there and setting up all your furniture and saying, I'm just going to live and dwell right here. There's no protection. There's no, the wind was blowing hard yesterday. You'd just be out in the wind, the hair blowing. It's going to rain tomorrow night. You'd be out in the rain. You say, that's foolish. Well, that's where a lot of people are in their walk with Christ they get saved and they don't ever go any further. And yet, when you don't go any further, you never get to really walk with God, experience God, and build up on top of that. And really, what I'm thinking of is not so much a house as I am a protective wall around you. Because, folks, you've got to learn to experience God in your day-to-day -day life if you're ever going to be successful with all the things that's coming at you you got to build a wall around you, and it's got to be a good wall. We've all grew up hearing uh, about the three little pigs, you know. One built his house out of straw, and the wolf came and huffed and puffed and blew it down. He runs over to his brother's house, and his was made of sticks, and the wolf came and huffed and puffed and blew it down. But the third one was the smart pig, built it out of brick. Well, surely you're as smart as a pig, 
and know how to build a house that will protect you. But a lot of people never build upon that foundation with a solid structure. And that's what was happening with the Corinthian church. They were, they were saved. They were trying to walk with God, but they're still allowing their bodies to be involved in all their morality and everything around them. And they were letting that to happen, and then they were showing back up at church and, and stuff and wanting to grow. And yet everybody around them was looking at them saying, I saw where you were this week. I know what you've done. I remember the people you were hanging out with and going in and out of those places you shouldn't have been. So what happened to their testimony? Destroyed. Folks, the church is no different today because people are still people. And we still act the same way. Some of them, to get their bodies right, if they're going to truly worship right. And if we don't learn to worship right, we'll never grow in that. On Wednesday night, we've been talking about being on mission with God and just experiencing God in day-to-day life and learning to be obedient and stepping out in faith. These guys and girls that's coming back, that one little week-long trip will change where they're at with what God's done with them. The, the whole idea of the things that you do every day are built in faith or should be built in faith. Because you need to be growing because I promise you there's a, there's a day coming when you better be ready. And, 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 it's gonna, and I'm not talking about the trumpet. I'm talking about the battle. You know, our military takes them through basic training, gets them basic training. But do they stop there? They continually train them. And if they know there's a place they're going to go in a certain type of enemy or a certain kind of environment, they train them for that. They begin to prepare them for whatever type of battle they may, may be facing. And that's what God does in your life because He knows the battles you're going to face. If it's a health battle, He wants to prepare you. If it's a, a, a mental battle, He's going to prepare you. If it's a spiritual battle, he wants to prepare you. So he's wanting your body to be a part of this and working together with that. And that's why in verse 15 or, or 16, you need to understand, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you realize that? The Holy Spirit, when you were saved, came to dwell within the body that you have right here and now. And therefore, God is living within you. So what are you doing with the temple? Remember what Jesus did when he went into the temple and he looked around and they were selling all kinds of good. They were ripping people off. They were, they were not weighing out and exchanging money for the true value. What did he do? He, he, he formed a, a whip, and he drove them out. He cleansed the temple. He said, my God's temple is to be a house of prayer, a place of worship, not a place of business. It should be a place where we truly come to meet with God. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not supposed to be a social club either. It's not supposed to be 
and activity center. It's supposed to be a place of worship and growth and fellowship and lifting one another up and enjoying what we do. And that's why it's a joy for y'all to share a meal and I listen to you visit. And you're having a good time. And you should be there because it should be an opportunity for you to grow in your faith, grow in your love for one another. And you ought to love staying and being a part of something. And at times, it, that's what's always kind of been amazing about this church. People show up early and they stay late. Sometimes you have to turn the lights out on Wednesday night to make them leave. But other churches you go to and they get there right at church time and they leave as soon as the preacher says amen. Out the door, in the cars, and they go. We miss a key part of worship, which is the fellowship with one another. Because it's hard to worship with strangers. Any of you ever visited a church and not known anybody? Uh, and you have to sit there. You're kind of on the spot, you know. And you don't know whether you watch what or various things, how they're, they're it's It's a hard thing. But yeah, if you get around family and friends that you know, you can come in and be comfortable and relax and visit, kid around with one another. And then you kind of know what's going on because you're relaxed. It's because your body is involved in it and you have a peace about it because you should be the temple of God. That's why you have to protect it so and not be involved in some of the things the world's trying to destroy because he wants to destroy your body so you can't worship. So it's impossible to be there. He tries to destroy your mind. We talked about that last week. He tries to destroy your health. He tries to give you a reason not to come up here. How many of you got up this morning and had some kind of ache or pain? Okay. Yeah. You know, it's real easy to give in to that ache or pain. Say, well, I'm just not going to go today. And next thing you know, next week, that ache or pain will still be there. And if that's not enough, we'll give you another one. But, you know, aches and pains don't keep us from going to other places and doing other things. We'll get up and go and stuff. You know, this was always funny. I've heard people say, well, it was just too cold to go to church. It was too cold. I said, I didn't feel like going to church. But weren't you at the ball game Friday night jumping up and down and having blankets and all that there and yet you don't want to come and get out of your car and walk 20 feet to get into a warm building it's too cold huh huh or i sat in a deer stand all day one day and just couldn't get up to go to church verse 17 says if any man destroys the temple of god God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Uh-oh. What is, what is Paul saying there? He said, if you don't take care of the temple, and you don't use it right, God will go ahead and destroy it. There are men and women of God who cut their life short by not taking care of themselves 
and worshiping God the way they should. Now, now listen, I'm not saying every sickness is from God, okay? I'm not saying every time somebody gets sick, you point the finger and say, well, they're not doing it. God gives illnesses to a lot of people for various reasons. He allows things to come on. But yet what Paul is saying, sometimes God will destroy somebody because they're rebelling. Didn't say he'd take away their salvation. But he allows what people are doing, destroying their own life, to go ahead and take root and go and do it. Sometimes it's a result of just us not doing what we need to do. And God said, well, if you're not going to serve me, you're not going to worship me, you're not being a lot of benefit, maybe it's time for you just to leave. I don't want to be there. I want to live on this earth just as long as God wants me. And when that day's over, I'm fine with it. I don't care. So far, I've made it 64 years and 10 months. Two more months, I'll make it 65. If I leave today, I'm happy. But whatever day I leave, I hope I've been doing something for the glory of God. I don't want to be on useless. I don't want to be worthless in the kingdom. How many times, so many of y'all are raising some type of livestock, and I'm not talking dogs, but why do you raise livestock? You're trying to, you want an investment, you want something to return. JC shared with me this morning. He just sold a cow. He'd been waiting three years for her to calve. He kept thinking she would calve. The one, that, the one thing he knew she was doing, she was eating grass every day. She was taking up space every day. What'd you do with her, JC? Reckon where she is today. <laughs> if she's not in McDonald's, she's on her way. Why? She's worthless. It's the way with any animal. If they start losing their purpose, there's a time to, to do away. You don't think God's looking at it the same way? He saves you, and you're sitting there saying, God, I'm not going to do anything with this gift. Remember the parable of the talents, what Jesus said? The one that did nothing with it, what did he do? He took it away from him, and he gave it to the ones that were doing something. Folks, part of worship is using your body to bring glory and honor to God and, and being involved in things and doing things and having some fun while you're doing it because you should be out there being a testimony. Jesus never did sit around under a tree just saying, I wish somebody would come. He went to where the people were at and he ministered to them. And he talked with them and visited with them and hurt with them. And he was involved with them. And you know what he trained those disciples to do? The exact same thing. But he also taught them, he said, the fields are wide unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers to go into the field to go into the field as an act and a tool of worship so that when you leave this place, 
You represent God wherever you go. You represent your faith wherever you go. And you're a testimony wherever you're at. Sometimes that's not very easy. It's hard when the preacher has to admit that he messes up. We carried grandkids to Dangerfield last night. And um, there was a little candy deal and all. We was going to take them through there. And we, first of all, I was instructed by my master that we were going to eat at McDonald's. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not a McDonald's fan. So we pull in there just in time to read the sign that uh, the, the inside area is shut down. You have to go through the drive-through. And I got three grandboys in the back seat as I'm ordering there through that microphone, yelling at what they want. And then I've got another young boy on the other side asking me, what do you want? And I'm trying to hear him. And I got three, and I said, shut up. And I didn't care which one of the four heard me. <laughs> but somebody needed to shut up because I needed to get some sense. So we get that wonderful McDonald's meal. And it's easy for me to say this because wife and grand boys are out there. And we show up out there at Dangerfield Park to eat a picnic lunch because the inside of McDonald's is shut down. And lo and behold, I'm, I know I'm going to step on somebody's foot right now. People show up with these little yapping dogs. <laughs> they can't go anywhere without a little yapping dog that barks at everything. The big dogs keep their mouth shut. They're walking around. I'm fine with the big dog. But it's these mutts. And every time one of those big dogs go by, they're yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do if somebody turns you loose? That becomes a dog biscuit. So do you, do you see where I'm going? I'm not in the best mood right now. Blood sugar is going down. Temper's going up. So finally, Barbara said, her and the boy, we had lots of time before we went on the little journey. So they went walking. I said, I'm getting in the truck. I need to cool off. Because my body was not in a joyful attitude. And something happened while I was resting there. Either my sugar came up or my temper went down. But I was okay after that. But you see, I was on the verge of becoming a rotten testimony if I didn't do something with the body. Because I, I tell you, I was feeling poorly. So I got in there and turned some of my 60s music on, chilled me out, Jan. And I just reared back for about 20 minutes, and I felt a lot better, and I survived the excursion, yapping dogs and everything. 
He's saying, well, preacher, this is a funny story, but what does it have to do with it? There's days that your body's not going to feel like worshiping. And that's when you need just to get away. And you need to worship by yourself. Because there's always something that's going to attack your body. Maybe your ears, your eyes, your mind, your blood pressure. I'm not sure what my blood sugar, but McDonald's brought it up. Boy, if it did. Uh, but I began to feel better. Because the last thing I wanted to be was somebody to see me telling somebody what they need to do with that yapping dog. Um, I love dogs, folks. It's just, there's a place for them. Uh, but that's their deal, not mine. Uh, but uh, you just have to get your body right sometimes to truly worship. You got to get your mind right sometimes to worship because it all affects who you are. And people are watching you daily. A few more scriptures and then we're going to let you go. Turn on over to chapter 6, verse 15. Because he reminds them. He said, do you not know your bodies are the members of Christ? What's he saying? You're a member of Christ. Scripture is filled with this, folks. You're the body and Christ is the head. He's to be the head of the body. That you're literally part of who Christ is. So think about that. If you're the hand or the finger or the toe, you represent the head. And if you're not functioning, you're holding back. There's times in your life when parts of your body will quit functioning. And you go to doctors and they try to fix it and they try to get things going. I had a good, good friend run a fish fin into his hand right here and it got infected and it destroyed a tendon in his finger. It stayed infected and they finally went and Dr. Lee just took that tendon out. Well, no matter what he did, that old finger stood out like that all the time. Some of you know exactly who I'm talking about. Well, this old friend of mine loved to cook and made some of the best cinnamon rolls there ever was. But every time he run his hand in there to get that pan of cinnamon rolls out, that old finger was stuck down there and it would rub against that electric coil in the bottom. That aggravated him quite a bunch. He never did it, but he kept threatening to go back to Dr. Lee's and tell him to get rid of it because it was just dead and worthless. It's in the way. And that's what we are sometimes. We're just in the way. But the good news is God can bring life back to the dead. So if you're a dead member in Christ right now, you can be alive starting today. He goes on, he says, Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. 
Or do you not know that one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, one body, uh, uh, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. See, he's bringing back that immorality that's going on there. And saying, you can't do this and be a part of God. So when you join yourself to the Lord, you are one spirit with him. He says, flee immorality. Every other sin of a man uh, that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Purpose of the body. See, that sin he's entering into with that and their immorality is he's destroying the temple of God through what he's doing. So are you getting a picture that the body is pretty important in who you are? As a child of God, are you are you understanding the enemy loves to attack the body and the mind to destroy your soul? You see, they're all joined together, and you can't have one without the other. You want a healthy soul, you need a healthy mind. You want a healthy soul, you need a healthy mind and body. You got to work together. You got to keep it clean. You got to keep it protected. You got to guard against this so that God can use you. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Boy, he's trying to drive a point home, I think, there. He keeps bringing that up. But then, verse 20, he said, You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That's pretty plain and simple. Your salvation costs you nothing. Not a thing. It's a free gift. But it costs Jesus a lot of his life for his father to turn his back on him when all that sin came upon him. Now, that's what he did for you. And what's he asking for you to do for him? Glorify God. You glorify God. I've done everything that I have to do for you. Now you just glorify God with the body that you have, with the mind that you have, because I've already taken care of the soul. And that's what he's saying. I've taken care of the soul, provided for it. Now you take care of the mind and the body so that it will be healthy and usable to me. Must have been a pretty good message because Peter wrote in his letter, Be ye holy, for God is holy. Throughout all the letters and various messages throughout the New Testament, every one of them bring out this idea of the body and the mind need to be whole with God. And I want you to be whole with God. I want you to walk with God. I want you to guard yourself. Because I promise you that enemy is going after those two aspects of your life. He's going to come after your mind. He's going to come after your body. He's going to tempt you through temptation, through the eyes, ears, the mouth. He tempt your brain by causing doubt. 
But he's going to work in your life trying to move you. I've, I've never done any kind of drug, but from what people explain to me, it gives you a high. And every time that you come off of that, you want to get that high again. And, and then as you're doing that, it takes more and more to get you high. So they're always constantly looking for something to get it high and get it back there. And ultimately what happens is it destroys the body. But folks, let me tell you where you can get your real high. You walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and you worship your Father. And He'll give you a high that doesn't waver. It just continually moves up. You will go up here and you'll think you've, you've plateaued. No, you've not plateaued unless you want to. Because He said, just wait. I'm going to teach you something tomorrow that you don't know about. I'm going to bring a bigger joy on you than you've ever experienced. Ain't going to take you up on another. You know, oh, you can't get any better than this. Yeah, it can. It's just going to continually grow, and you're going to see more and more of what God is doing in your life as you walk with Him. And when you get to heaven, He's going to look at you and He's saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You've done everything I asked you to do. Come on in and enter into my rest. And I will lift you up. Now folks, that's a high. That's a blessing. But it all begins with the foundation that Jesus Christ laid. And then it goes off with what you build on top of it. You say, well, we're not saved by works. I didn't say you saved by works. Your works are built on top of the foundation that's been laid. And those works is what teaches you and protects you and grows your faith. And if you're growing your faith, you're constantly learning and you're seeing God work. And I don't care if you're 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80, there's some faith that can be grown. There's a no ending deal. Otis back there, 93. He's still coming up here listening to a preacher that, uh, see, 90, see, I'm, I'm way, I'd be a, a late child if you were my daddy. But he still comes. We finally got him convinced if he's not going to come to let us know, so we quit worrying about him. Going to text us and say, hey, I'm, Moving, moving a reclining chair today because I got some help. And he got rained out, didn't he, Otis? He can't hear me. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but he's here. Folks, I think we all need to remind ourselves some days, my God is worth worshiping no matter how bad I feel. No matter how bad I feel. Now, if you're sick and coughing, stay at home, okay? I'm glad Charles is at home today. But if it's just an ache or pain or feel bad, maybe coming up here and getting some hugs. See, I got two precious hugs this morning from two little girls. One of them I didn't know was coming. 
she come running there smiling. She's getting bigger and her smile's getting broader. And then I was going out there a while ago to meet with my guys, and here comes another one running up. Preacher, preacher. I turn around just in time to get embraced. Them six-year-olds. Now, folks, when they hug you, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. So no matter how I feel, that will always lift me up. And I like some of you older ladies that hug me too. You smile. If Melinda ever hugs me, I'm going to be worried though because something's up. But I get a lot of joy out of being with you and seeing you grow and watching you grow and hearing your stories about what God's doing in you because it makes me proud to have a people that's like you. But love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. and You can't go wrong there. Let's have prayer, and I don't gather up there. Brantley? Where'd he go? He went out over there. Brantley, get your stuff. I don't know if I unlocked it. Brad, come here. Brantley, come here. Is you you gonna change clothes now or after? What what's he doing, Mickey? He's gonna change now. Go out there. Get your bag, Bubba. I'm gonna keep him in here because I want you ready. The joy of salvation. I would hope and pray y'all are as excited about your walk with God as that young man is and so many others. And old Billy over there, I'm proud of him. See, it doesn't matter whether you're 10 or 70. When God gets a hold of you, it changes your life. Sometimes us been saved for 30 or 40 years, we forget that. We just try to hang on. But boy, it's ha I'm, I'm joyful. I'm joyful. God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son. And that when I believed in Him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's a paraphrase of John 3.16, but it's a personalized. Think about that. For God so loved me that he gave his only son that when I believed I would have everlasting life Father thank you for loving us we do rejoice in the day and I pray this message will challenge each and every one of us to guard our mind guard our bodies so that our soul and in every aspect of our being can bring glory and honor to you. We rejoice in this baptism that we're about to, to watch and the salvation that's already been worked in his life. I'm thankful for people in his life that's already been teaching him about your scriptures and they're, they're growing him and preparing him. And I know your spirit's going to rest upon him today and from now on he's going to make some mistakes. But I know you're forgiving. 
but also know you're disciplining and you're guiding and directing. But may you guide and direct all of us, fathers. We walk with you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this week. Let's go outside.